Hi, I'm Wayne Jones, and welcome to ReChristian, a critical and satirical reconsideration of Christianity, the Bible, and God. This is episode 15, Killjoy. As a way of illustrating how blind most Christians are to the true horrors in the Bible, the book that they reverence as inspired by the omnipotent one who couldn't manage to make it through a seven-day work week, I've talked a fair bit about the killing and other sins that God himself has committed. It's all there in the Old Testament and in the New One, too. More to come on that in subsequent episodes. It's clear that he's insecure. Please worship me. And deranged. Goodbye and enjoy your stay in hell, soon to be former inhabitants of, insert name of town here. Alas, the demented old coot continues his spree in our own century, too, in 2024. In fact, just a couple of days ago, Tuesday, February 27th, when the great comedian Richard Lewis died of a heart attack after years of suffering from Parkinson's. He was only 76. Now, God had some choices when he was deciding how to reduce the population of human beings on Earth. There's Donald Trump knee-deep in KFC and criminal charges, and dangerously delusional from his neck to, as the great David Letterman used to say, whatever that thing is on top of his head. There are warmongers like Joe Biden, already half-dead by all reports, who lies and lies and lies about why he's sending so much money to Ukraine and why he supports Israel, the country that nobody is allowed to tell the truth about publicly. Yeah, and there's Benjamin Netanyahu, another warmonger, who's temporarily removed his occupation hat in order to slip on his genocidal one, which fits just marvelously. There's Bill Gates, with a current net worth of about $125 billion, who won't even spare a single billion to revamp the Microsoft Word software so that it's user-friendly. For example, just try to insert different paginations in your document without having to Google a bunch of shit and then go through a 10-step process. And there's... but you get the idea. Many people know Lewis from the slightly overrated show Curb Your Enthusiasm, but of course he was a stand-up comedian to start. Personally, that's how I remember and appreciate him. One of his best albums was a two-CD set, It was 2000, and that's how things were measured back then, called Live From Hell. One CD is Lewis doing live stand-up at the Improv Comedy Club in New York City, and the other is an interview of Lewis by Bill Zemi, a writer whom God also took down, just last March at the age of only fucking 64. I'm beginning to think that God is killing off the young and relatively young and preserving the old guys, who are his peeps. Here are some samples of Lewis from the improv performance. This is how it starts. I am so incredibly, well, here, I got to tell you, I I just spent about a week with family, and I am absolutely thrilled and delighted to be here in front of strangers. You have no idea. (laughs) Can't believe it. Well, my mother... She put a satellite dish up. I said, gee, wow, she did the sports night. I can't imagine discussing like the pennant race with it. But it was, believe me, it was like, it, it had to be like a Jewish satellite dish. It picked up problems from other families. Just like... 
And later, he gets a phone call from his mother. I wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I didn't want to. I finally went to sleep. And the uh, phone rings at 5.30 in the morning. And I tell you, oh, I just had a breath. Thank you. Thanks for allowing me. I apologize for breathing. That's why I'm in psychotherapy today. So. My mother calls me from Jersey, 5.30 in the morning. She has no concept of the three-hour difference. Just put on the Today Show. I can't put on the Today Show. Mother, Milky Way is still out my window. There's no Today Show on now. It's unbelievable. Three hours early. She had to show. And she just says, oh, 8.30, 7.30. She just, oh, that, 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 that's the whole thing. That covers for the whole uh, faux pas there. I said faux pas is a word, I, you know, but... Uh, she says, break a leg. I said, thanks. Said, By the way, I don't know if you want to know this before the show. Well, it's a little late now. She says, well, you know, uh, Aunt Faye, uh, she can't move her knuckles. I don't know if you know that. Oh, wow. Wow. So what do you want me to do? Well, I sent her a get well knuckle card. Oh, wow, I don't know how to... Where do I find knuckle cards now? I got a shoulder through. She can throw guilt without moving her conscience. It's unbelievable, my mother. Is this me? And I said, look, I love you, but just... Uh, I said, I just, uh, just don't call me during the year. Yeah, you know, A lot of his material was self-deprecatory, and he often talked about depression and anxiety. Here he is talking about a gig he did in the state of Maine, which didn't work out that well. I've been all over, and it's just really, uh, God, it's really amazing to me. You know, comedy is really, uh, all of a sudden I'm doing a lecture at Hunter College. I don't know what happened to me. Oh, I know why. I know why I was doing that. I was doing this gig up in Maine about a month ago, and I got freaked out because, you know, some gigs are a nightmare. Some gigs are ni uh, gigs from hell. And I walked up in the afternoon, I see my sign, and they had, it was off near Maine. It was near Maine. And at tonight, Richard Lewis and King Crab. I went, wow, King Crab. I was on the bill with, with King Crab. I said, maybe it's like some kind of rock group. I saw maybe guys, you know, saxophone guys coming out. But that was it. I was on with the entree. That was the whole uh, trip. And I walk into the club and the people go, hi, uh, do we get to the waitress, do we get the French fries with the comic or not? We're not sure, you know? <laughs> I'm doing my gig, not doing well. It's a nightmare, quite frankly. There's about 30 people there in the middle of my app. It's right on the inlet or a sand with a bay. Who cares at this point? I hate the place. But uh, a guy runs in from the back of the club wearing like a yellow raincoat, a slicker, whatever. And he screams out, the tuna is biting. And the entire audience just kind of... And finally, I mean, I could listen to this all day, but I don't want to torture you like God tortured Job that time. Here he talks about getting old. But, I, you know, you can't live in the, you know, live with family your whole life. Like, apparently, I, uh, I moved out, uh, out here. I, you know, I left the family, and uh, I live in a predominantly uh, anxious section of town, like in, in Santa Monica. I don't know, I see these people you know, around my apartment, they have kids. See, I'm in my 30s now, I'm just, I always try to, see, what am I going to do? I'm not going to have a child. I'll be like an old, one of these old pops. It depresses me. Like, I'll get married in 10 years, and she'll have a career, I'll have a kid, maybe I'll be 63, he'll be in Little League, I'll be 111. And, you know, it's ridiculous. I'll be 111 when he's in Little League. They'll have to wheel me in, in like a glass bubble. It makes me depressed, you know. Your son's bunting, Mr. Lewis. Give, give me my bun pill a minute, I just got... Alas, he didn't make it to 111. God stepped in and robbed him of about 35 years. So, God, 
He covers the full range in knocking people off. Some people make it to over 120, and at the other end, God decides to kill off fetuses in the womb so that the loving couple can have the life-altering experience of seeing their conceived child emerge dead. And sometimes God snazzes it up completely. Women who are eight months pregnant are shot dead. And so the hits, literally and figuratively, continue. I genuinely and sincerely do not know what it takes to convince Christians that their God does not exist, or that, perhaps worse, if he does, he is the most vile and evil creature that the universe, or he himself, has ever produced. How can people possibly maintain faith? If they can't be convinced by the lack of logic and the lack of evidence— Why don't the near-mortal slashes that he makes at them during the course of their lives make them at least consider things a little? I'm worshipping this being? This is benevolence? But no, Christians endure it all. A scar forms and they move on, returning to their former delusion. And in fact, that delusion has its origin in death. Namely, Christians are so afraid of death being the absolute end of it all that they have made up the idea of God and life after death just to give them the courage to get out of bed in the morning. And then churches get formed and start making money or giving their employees access to fuckable young people, and so the good folks running those churches want all that to continue. The whole unbelievable thing has built itself into such a metaphorical edifice that it must be true and real, right? Well, no, it doesn't, of course. It doesn't need to be right. Let me borrow that other hat that Netanyahu has, the one for false rhetoric, and try to use it for a calm and logical purpose. There is no God. It's a giant mystery to me and to people much smarter than me why the universe exists as it does, but it just does. The fact that the existence of something has no origin that our tiny little human braids can figure out does not mean that there is a supernatural being that created it or set it in motion and who continues to preside over it until we are all dead. Embrace the void. Live in the now. Tell the truth all the time, as Mr. Peterson enjoins us to. And be kind to yourself and others. It will all end sometime, but it and you are still going strong right now. And that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for a full transcript, links to sources, and how to contact me. And please join me again on Monday.